Hello and welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. I'm Leah Heigl and I am here with my co-host Aidan Muir and today we're talking about another supplement and that's BCAAs or EAAs. So branch chain amino acids and essential amino acids. So this is one that's quite popular. Like if you go into any gym, you'll see people with like BCAAs in their water bottles. Um, It's been popular for so many years, Uh, but we're going to go through today kind of what's the evidence behind it? Is it effective? Is it worth your money? Uh, And kind of just talk through it bit by bit. Yeah. And I think the reason why it's so popular is you can make a lot of theoretical sense of it. Going through it, and what I mean by that is there are 20 amino acids total. Nine of these are considered essential, which means we can't create them in our own body. So those are essential amino acids. And three of those, three of those essential amino acids are considered BCAAs, branched-chain amino acids. And those ones in particular are leucine, isoleucine, and valine. And obviously the essential amino acids one, that makes sense, right? Because we can't produce in our body. Let's give our body what it can't produce itself. It can produce the other 11. You can understand why that makes sense. Branched-chain amino acids, they technically make up about 35% of the amino acids in our muscle. So you can also make an argument for that being like, hey, these are just three of the 20 and they make up 35%. They're clearly more important for muscle growth based on that. And even digging a little bit deeper, leucine in particular is probably the most strongly linked with muscle growth um, because we've got all these things like leucine thresholds and like you've got to get a certain amount of leucine to optimize muscle protein synthesis. So that is what BCAAs are in essential amino acids and that kind of feeds into why people or why you could propose some benefits for them. Yeah, I can definitely see why people would like feed into the marketing of like branch chain amino acids and essential amino acids because like in theory it makes a lot of sense. So like the proposed benefits of of these kinds of supplements is that it's going to help you build more muscle because you're getting these amino acids and these building blocks of muscle uh, that you can't produce in your own body. Um, So that seems to make sense. Uh, But there are also other benefits that are often proposed, like reduction in muscle soreness or DOMS as being one, um, improvements in muscle retention while dieting, um, and also reduced fatigue during exercise. So there's lots of different benefits that these supplement companies claim. The mechanism kind of makes sense if you think it through, but I don't recommend them. So (laughs) uh, we'll definitely be going through why that is. Yeah. So like, I guess like, why don't you recommend them? Why don't I recommend them often going into that? The first one is I'll call it cost to reward ratio. Mm -hmm. And that's like a real roundabout of saying there's other ways you can achieve these outcomes. So there's no inherent advantage two BCAAs or essential amino acids over getting a sufficient amount of total protein from a variety of sources because other sources of protein also contain BCAAs and they also contain essential amino acids. One example of this is you could more easily get, if if we're looking just at total protein containing these amino acids, you could more easily get 25 grams of protein, for example, from a scoop of protein powder than you could from a BCAAs or essential amino acids supplement because typically a serve of those supplements is like five to 10 grams. So like clearly it's easy to get that. It's cheaper to get that through that. And then also you could just make the argument for food as well, being like they also contain an abundance of these amino acids depending on which option you go with. And with the essential amino acids logic, 
Once again, it makes sense until you dig a bit deeper. Just because we cannot physically create an amino acid in our own body doesn't necessarily mean that that is the late rate limiting factor in muscle growth. Because we, we could create non-essential amino acids in our body, we can physically do that, but does that mean that we're going to naturally be producing those amino acids in the exact optimal amount for what we need? And looking at that from a research perspective, there is research showing that when you compare whey protein to BCAAs with the total BCAA content match, meaning there's obviously more total protein in the whey protein in this example, muscle protein synthesis is 50% higher in the whey protein group, which is an example of how if you add more total protein containing other amino acids in addition to branched-chain amino acids, the outcomes in terms of muscle growth are still higher. So it's not just those three. Yeah, so it's still a good idea when we're thinking about like a bout of protein to get in not only your essential amino acids, but also the amino acids that you could theoretically make in your own body. But we know based on the outcome that, you know, it's good to get them all together, probably from a food source. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, what I think is interesting about this topic and where it can kind of be a little bit, I guess, misleading um, is that a lot of the research kind of looks quite promising yeah like if, you if, look you, at <laughs> if you just looked individually you'd be like oh this study worked this study worked yeah, this like, like oh yeah muscle like people were able to gain more muscle when they gave them bc AA's or essential amino acid supplementation um but the thing about a good majority of this research showing these positive outcomes is that these participants already had suboptimal intakes of protein anyway so sure if we have a bunch of people with suboptimal protein intake for muscle protein synthesis and muscle gain and then you add extra essential amino acids onto that it is probably going to improve their outcomes a little bit but what would be even better is if they just met their total yeah. protein requirements um, and had it through whole protein sources or complete protein sources that contain these things as well yeah like protein quality and stuff like that in terms of the amino acid breakdown clearly matters more under a suboptimal intake and then it also like if you had a low intake and added that on top the bcaa's you're actually still increasing protein intake which was already suboptimal to start off with but it's 100%. getting closer yeah and like i don't know that's not a dig at companies because obviously the research is done by supplement companies yeah. but like there is that there's potentially publication bias there is all of these things but all that really matters and all that we really care about is if you do have a total protein intake that is high enough there seems to be no inherent advantage and that's kind of what we're looking at we're looking at yeah. it from that perspective and if you're making the argument about like okay well what if you have a suboptimal protein intake then i would counter that argument by saying there's easier ways to increase your and protein probably intake like slightly cheaper ways <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and that's so. the cost to reward ratio yeah. which i was talking about it didn't really make sense then but like that's kind of Feeds what i'm getting now. at yeah so I guess we should go into a more nuanced look and be like, is there any situation ever that we would recommend them? Yeah. And I guess, again, for me working in more of plant-based spectrum, working with a lot of vegan athletes is that a lot of these people are having incomplete protein sources that are lacking or limited by certain essential amino acids that if you supplemented those things, their outcomes might be slightly improved. So at the end of the day, like reaching a total, like their total protein intake uh, and what's recommended is the most important, but there might be times where I recommend like leucine supplementation in particular. So that's a, a certain branch chain amino acid that's known for mus uh, triggering muscle protein synthesis and leads to better outcomes when it's in certain amounts. Um, so 
looking at it from a nuanced perspective, yeah, I guess there are times where I do recommend essential amino acids. It's usually not in a BCAA supplement. It usually is just leucine. But there is an argument to be made that they might help if you are getting a predominant amount of your uh, protein from incomplete sources. Yeah, and that was the first one that came to my mind as well. Like, that makes sense. Like, you could make an argument for that, and it does make sense. The other one that I think of, and this is not overly nuanced, this is, like, the bro science in me or whatever, (laughs) is, well, firstly, people who just like the taste of it. Like, if they just like it, um, I don't know, like, some people struggle drinking water. Maybe that adds flavour to the water, and they want to have that, so that's an option for sure. And then the other one, the, the more bro science view, is the people who just are like, no, nah, but I just train better when I have it. <laughs> like, I just feel better when I have it. Because um, I think about the whole concept of, like, a powerlifting session, for example, is, like, two hours. And a powerlifter who absolutely loves eating all the time, <laughs> if they haven't eaten for, like, two hours before they trained and then they train, there's, like, a four-hour gap without eating, sometimes having BCAAs or something like that makes them feel better towards the end of their workout. I don't recommend it. I don't go out of my way to recommend it. But if somebody's like, yeah, I just like doing that. Yeah, I'm never going to be like, no, stop taking BCAAs. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not going to be to your detriment. It's just if you're doing all the other stuff from protein intake perspective, uh, it probably doesn't add anything yeah. to your outcomes, unless it's like that placebo, in which case placebo is, I mean, it's still happening, right? Yeah. Like, even if it is a placebo, so it's still benefiting you, even if it's just based on what your brain's thinking. Uh, but yeah, there's not not a time I'd be like, nah, just take me out. Yeah, for sure. So we'll wrap things up there. This has been episode 52 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. Um, I found out the other day that on Spotify, it's actually really easy to leave a rating. You can't leave a review, but there's like a star thing. Yeah. So if you're listening on Spotify, obviously if you're on Apple, like please leave a review as well. But if you're on Spotify, can you please look for that like star thing and leave a rating too? I'd really appreciate that. I'm sure Leah would too. Thank you.